Amen. Wanda, thank you for that wonderful piece. I just, you know, it's times like that where you just kind of sit and it just reminds me of the Psalms, in Psalms where God says, be still and know that I am God. You know, how many times do we actually pause and think about that? We always want to go, 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 go. Pause, chill out. Well, as you know, um, I like to encourage you to read the Word of God. Um, I encourage you to read Luke chapter 6, verse 35. And that the last part that Jesus speaks there, I mean, what he says there is just extraordinary. That, that, that blows my mind. You know, we always know about the wrath of God, but what he says at the very end there is what blows my mind and is always unexpected. I mean, that's how Jesus works. The end of... So chapter 6, verse 35 of Luke, look at that this week, especially in the light of today's sermon, and dwell on that, for truly we have a gracious God. And also I want to encourage you to pray, find a prayer partner praying with them, and, I, and here's something I want to encourage you to pray in, pray that you, can, that, that you can get the gospel out, somehow, whatever context, right? It's not, a, it's not a burdensome thing, it should be a joyful thing. That God will place it upon your heart to who you got to speak to. I'm sure right now you're thinking of someone you're just like, I don't know. Pray about it and see what God does. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. Thank you for this wonderful day that we can come and worship you. God, we don't deserve such things. We don't deserve to come into a place that's covered from the harsh elements outside, as harsh as California is, Lord. But we don't deserve that. We don't deserve to come peaceably and, and, and to drive to church in our, in our cars or maybe walk or whatever the case. We don't deserve that peace of coming here, Lord. We know that there are places in the world, Lord, that don't have that. They have to fight. They have to run. They have to sneak around, meet late at night. But God, you, you have granted us with kindness to meet in such a way as this. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful mercy. I pray we never treat that as common. God, we pray that you be with all the missionaries and, and, and Christians around the world. And I know that some are dealing with some major issues in life right now, whether that be from the world elements or from governments. Be with them. We are, we are together. We are one in you, Lord. Though we are not there with them physically, we are with one another through Christ, bearing one another, upholding one another through prayer. God, we also ask that you be with all those who are maybe sick right now or in pain or can't make it here, Lord, that you remind that they are dearly loved by you and by us. And God, help us then to, 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 to expose our sins, Lord, that we can lay them down before you and repent of them, to run from them, to know that it's been, we have been forgiven, that hell is no longer our destination, but heaven is because of what Jesus did. And fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can just live the faith consistently before you. And declare to all that Jesus has done it all. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So um, now we've come to the end of Paul's second prayer in Ephesians. And uh, here he ends it in a, uh, a doxology. Uh, kind of like this, this uh, it's a, a word of praise to God for who he is and what he has done and is doing for us. So today's title is, Know Your God. And what Paul writes here is a description of God that truly uh, we all need to contemplate as, as we go about our life now through faith in Christ. For what 
he will say here, and what we're going to look at in a, in a few moments, is exactly what the world does not want you to know or think about or dwell on as you go about your life. This world doesn't want you to realize who God is, what he, can, what he is doing for you, what he can do for you. Do, you. do you get that? I think we forget that a lot. You know, this world in all of its capacity, everything that it places and puts before your face, all the stuff that's being thrown at you, all the politics and all the philosophies of life, whatever the case may be, the ultimate goal of it all is for you to not know the God of the Bible. For you not to grow in focusing on who this God is, whom you now worship by faith in Christ. I don't, I don't care how much you think that you have to be up on the news, or up on current state affairs of life, or how good something may be from the world. We must remember that since the fall of man into sin, way back in the Garden of Eden... The world now functions in such a way so that you can make much of it, make much of the world and its affairs in your life and in others, rather than make much of the Lord in your life and in others. This world wants you to crumble and be consumed by fear, anger, worry, and division. It wants you to be obsessed with you, to focus on you and all you have to do because you may lose everything. So your life becomes about consumption, obtaining, and protecting you all at the expense of others. I mean, that's what sin does. Life is focused on you, your expectations, your desires, your wants, your ways. So sin keeps you living a life with the weight of the world and your very own world on your shoulders. Sin says life all depends upon you alone. You need to be stronger. You need to be better. You need to get it all together. You need this political view. You need to be at this point in your life. You need to be this by now. You need this gratification right now. You need this self-indulgent thing right now. And the list can go on and on and on and on and on. Now, am I saying that you can't have goals, that you can't have ambitions, You shouldn't want to make progress in your life. You shouldn't want to make things better in your life. No, not at all. But we must realize that the world's goal, its deep desire for you is to be obsessed with all of that. The world wants your sole focus, your foundation to be set on you alone at the expense of forgetting or thinking little of the God of the Bible who is guiding and directing your life now by faith in Christ. The world, the world wants you, is saying to you, he is not with you. You're on your own to figure it all out. Look. It doesn't matter how good something is or may seem. The world and its ways is always trying to remove you from knowing who God is, knowing his ways, knowing what has been done for you in Jesus Christ and what is being done for you through faith in his son. Do not think for a moment 
Just one moment that this world is trying to help you know God and to know His peace and His power and His comfort that He provides. That is not what the world is doing. Now, does God take what is evil and turn it for your good and and make it work in your favor through faith in Christ? Yes, of course. I mean, that's, that's why we can keep going. But... Does that mean that we just go right along with the evil, right along with the ways of the world in our life, passively or willingly? No. That's like saying, should we not sin all the more that God's grace shall abound? Of course not. So just because God takes things and uses things for our benefit doesn't mean we need to give ourselves over to the world and its ways. No, we give ourselves over to God give ourselves over to the Lord and Savior by faith in Him alone and in nothing else. We place no faith in ourselves or in politics or medical practices or philosophies or traditions or our wisdom or our strength or our wittiness or our life experiences. No, our faith and trust is not in the world of men at all. The world doesn't want you to act or live that way. Our faith is in Christ alone, so it constantly needs to be directed and refreshed in Christ every day. We need to pause our minds and hearts and pause just for a moment and realize just who this God is that that now calls us his people who at one time were not his people. And this particular doxology is one about who God is and His work in our life now as Christians. Which, you know, our text of, of chapter 3 of Ephesians, verses 20 through 21. And, and when you look at this passage, truly, this, this is one of our biggest battles as Christians. The battle with unbelief of what is written here in this passage, in this doxology. Now, when I'm speaking of unbelief as Christians... I want to clarify something. I'm not saying we don't believe God is real. I'm not saying we don't believe that Christ, uh, that we don't believe Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. For you couldn't be a Christian otherwise. To be a Christian means you must place your faith in the gospel. You must believe that Christ has come to this earth to die for your sins and was resurrected to give you eternal life. As 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 says, you must believe that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Or as Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what do I mean then as a Christian, one of your biggest battles will be with unbelief with what is written here in this text of Ephesians of chapter 3 verses 20 through 21. Well, it's fully believing that God is taking care of everything over you now because of what Jesus did for you through faith in him. It is the battle of waking up every day to believe that God fully loves you despite your failures and sins before him. To believe that he is in full control over your life. To believe that he is the full source of your satisfaction. To believe that he is the full source of all your strength. To believe that he is the full source of all your security. To believe that he is the full source of all that you are. 
It is the battle with unbelief that he is truly per always providing everything that you need. To believe that your life right now in its current state with all its woes and worries and concerns and all the pains and all the stress and all the awkward relationships that get heated over the awkward issues of the day. That all your secrets that you don't want to talk about because it hurts too much to come to the reality that you actually did such things. To believe that God is always working all of it for your good in Him and He's taking care of you and will always take care of you. So you just need to trust in Him alone and nothing else. That is the battle we face to believe this is true in totality over us by faith in Christ now because of what was accomplished upon the cross. To face those sins that keep popping up that are wary upon your soul to believe that God is truly working in you and is close to you even though those sins are still there. It's things like this where we have this battle of unbelief in God that He is truly taking care of everything and He is our fulfillment for everything. We just need to rest in Jesus by faith alone in Him. You know, to, to look at all the hardships at life, in your life, to look into the mirror of, of God's Word and see all your imperfections and see all your weaknesses and sins that are exposed before Him, to look at this world with all its destruction and hate that is seemingly aimed at you, and to say, through faith in Christ, that God is in loving, joyful control over me and my life, and because of this, no matter what comes my way, even if my own body and will fails me, which happens all the time, all of it, it's going to work out no matter what. It will all be okay for me in the end through faith in Christ alone. God is caring for me as his child and he knows what is best for me in him. That, my friend, will be one of your greatest battles you have in this world. This battle of unbelief that God truly loves you and is working everything for your good in Him. This battle of trying to see His hand working in your life every day, even when the tears and the worries and, and your face is just consumed and snot and tears because you can't see it. Keep the, the panic or the pain comes in in the middle of the night because you don't realize what's going on. You will have this battle within you and around you trying to say that God does not care about you as his own child. And that is the battle we face and fight every day through faith in Christ. You are to believe by faith in Christ that he is not withholding anything good from you. Even though the world of sin will say he is. You are to believe by faith in Christ that your life is always on the course of glory even though things are not working out around you or as planned. You are to believe by faith in Christ that though many think little or less of you and may even blame you for all their problems, their interaction with you does not affect God's loving interaction and care over you to bring you closer to Him day by day. 
So in today's passage of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, Paul is going to reveal some amazing truths about our God to help us overcome the unbeliefs such as these as we struggle within our day-to-day life as we go about this world. So Paul starts off this doxology in verse 20. It says, now to him who is able. And this brings us to our first point. Realize his limitlessness. Now, by Paul saying, now to him, he's referring to God. Paul is writing this to the Ephesians to help them know that God, not just some finite being, but the Lord of all creation, who is now paying his full loving attention to them, is far more powerful than they realize. Paul says he is able. And just these two words, is able, means that he can do what you cannot do. He can change what you cannot change. He can bring about what you cannot bring bring about. Where you are limited in, he can continue in. Your limits are not his limits. Your small box that you place yourself in and constrain yourself to and think, well, this is it. This is about as big as it gets. Has no constraint upon him and what he is able to do with you. With Paul saying he is able, he is pointing out that God can accomplish absolute and incredible wonders through his people, even though they cannot do it or even see it. See, to say is able means nothing can stop him, not even you. Not your stubbornness, not your ignorance, not your sin, not your age. Nothing can stop him, for he is able. Your cannot only means he can. The I just can't see how it can happen plays no role in what he can do. For as Paul has wonderfully declared, our God is able. I mean, church, this is what gives us hope. For as you read throughout the Bible, you see time and time again where many have said, it cannot happen, it will not happen, there's no way. Like Sarah, saying she's too old to become pregnant. Guess what? God was able to make it happen. Watch out, ladies. (laughs) Moses, saying that he could not lead the Hebrew people because he wasn't a good speaker. But guess what? God was able to make it happen. Jeremiah, saying he could not be a prophet because he was too young and inexperienced. But God was able to make it happen. Gideon, saying he could not save Israel because he was too weak. But guess what? God was able to make it happen. Paul is saying with just these few words that the God whom we are in a loving relationship as his children, when we think about him and speak about him, and pray to Him, and we go about our life with Him, we are to know and to remember He is able. So let us never walk about discouraged or defeated. We are now a people of the God who is described in the Bible as is able. Nothing is too difficult for Him. Now to press this even more, 
of just how amazing God is and how powerful he is, Paul says, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now, what Paul is saying here is, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard to wrap my mind around because this passage is so incredible. Because ultimately, Paul is revealing to us and them that we really have no conception of what God is capable of. That his abilities and powers go far beyond than what we can comprehend or even imagine or put differently. Sadly, I easily place limits on what God can do in my prayers to him. I ask too little as compared to too much. I trust too little as compared to trusting too much. I believe too little as compared to believing too much. You and I fall too easily into this, God is only this big. You know, he's only this powerful. He can only do so much. He will only go so far. He will only put up with this or that for so long. He can only love so much. He can only change up to a point. When Paul says far more abundantly, it means above, over and above all that we can ask or think, or, or super abundantly. God goes beyond what we would not dare to even ask or think of Him. God goes beyond our expectations of what we know of Him. His works and His power are far beyond what our wildest imaginations can conceive or even comprehend in regards to what our finite brains can create even as a possibility of what He can do. Then Paul says something to make this personal to us. To show you that's not speaking in the abstract, but makes it concrete. To make it even more real in our hearts of faith, so to strengthen our faith in Him as we battle all this unbelief in us. Paul says this God with all His limitless power that goes beyond all measure and infinitely more than we can comprehend, he says, according to the power at work within us. And this brings us to our second and last point. Realize His power is in you. And what you have here is Paul saying, God is using his limitless, infinite power to benefit us, to benefit his people, to benefit you. His unlimited power is already at work within us. Why? Because of Jesus and what he did for us. God's power is, a, is working in and through us by faith in Christ alone, not because of what we do, simply because of who he is and in whom we believe. Do you know what that means? God is overcoming everything that you are facing right now by using all of it to benefit you in Him. God is giving you His best. He is giving you exactly what you need even though you do not realize it or maybe you can't even see it right now. He is working his hand in your life to make sure you stay his child and become conformed to the image of his son, even though you you are currently unaware of it. He is working for you and in you because he wants to and he loves you for his son did everything required for you so you can be at rest in faith in him alone. 
See, he is not limited by our limitations or even our sinful natures. For his power is already at work within us and is doing just fine. For example, when we pray, God is not limited by our prayers or requests to him. I mean, sometimes we don't even realize what we're asking for or praying for. We think we do, but we truly don't. So he goes beyond it. Beyond our finite, limited vision, tainted with sin for requests. Yes, sin pops up everywhere, even in our good works and in our good requests. Sin is always there. Sin is always there and we just don't realize it. But God is greater than our sins and he loves us. So he, so to, so he truly gives us what we need to keep trusting in him and be conformed to the image of his son. You may think he's not answering your prayers. But my friend, he is. He's just not answering them to your limited understanding of what you would expect of him. Our finite outcomes of what we think or supposedly know what is best, or best for others, does not limit God to do that. We don't command God to give us what we want. He loves you too much to do so. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what will make you turn away from him. And he knows what will make you grow by faith in him, even if you can't see it or even if you disagree with it. He knows what is best and he's not limited to you. And guess what? He loves you unconditionally, so he will always give you what you need to grow in faith in Christ. Let me just give you an example of how far beyond his power and wisdom is beyond what we would expect him working in us. Isaiah, in Isaiah 57, verse 1, it says, The righteous man perishes, and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away, while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from calamity. In this passage, we see God protecting some of his people through what we all would not expect, through their death. God saved them from facing trials from, from the evil to come, from the calamity that was about to show up by bringing them home to him to eternity so they didn't have to face it. God knows what is best for us, even the stuff we don't like. He knows what we need. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. Because generally, we, we don't pray for death. <laughs> generally, we pray for strength and wisdom, but death, just like anything else, is used by God for our benefit in Him. Now, I'm not saying we need to go out praying for people's death. Please, that's not the goal of this, okay? This is just an extreme example to help us see how God's ways are not our ways. To see that He's beyond our minds, beyond our limited vision of what we ask for. So keep praying for strength. Keep praying for, for wisdom. But always know God knows exactly what's best for you and others which is why we can always trust him with whatever the outcome is. He loves you far more than you realize and is always working things for your good in him. This is why we have hope. 
Psalm 103, verses 13 through 14 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. See, the the key to all this is that when Paul says, according to the power at work within us, he means our salvation. So all his power here is working with the goal and the theme of salvation for us. So on a side note, it doesn't mean that we're all going to get mansions. It doesn't mean we're all going to be healthy. And it doesn't all mean that we're going to prosper and be rich. Not at all. I mean, maybe. I mean, for some, you know. But even those things, there, there are reasons why some people get them and some don't. Because God understands what's best for us as individuals. For your benefit in him. Now why? Because God is concerned. Because God's concern is for you to be with him for eternity. So his goal is to do whatever it is. To remove you from this world. To remove you from clinging so tightly to the world here. His goal is not to keep you in it. His goal of salvation within you by faith in his son is not to keep you here, but to bring you home by removing the sinful ways, by changing your heart, not adding to the ways of sin in your life. And the way he goes about it may look a bit different for each person. But whatever the case is, always know that this world is corrupted, but he is making you anew. This world is decaying, but he is working life in you. This world is broken, but he is restoring you all by faith alone in Jesus because of his works on your behalf. God's goal with you is for you to be with him in eternity. Whereas many times our requests and worries and wanting a fix are just for the here and now so we could be more comfortable in the world rather than being comfortable in the Lord alone. But the beauty is that that he can take the here and now request and the worries and somehow turn it for our better in him, for eternity. Because remember, God is not limited by them. This is why we can rest in Jesus by faith alone. God is working in us despite our feeble requests and pessimistic outlooks on life. God is doing wonders within us and amongst us, for he is displaying his power through us. How he does this, I I don't know. But what I can know and take comfort in by faith in Jesus is exactly what this verse says. He is working his power in me even though I fail him every day. For we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, leaving everything else alone. And strictly through faith in Christ, we have more power available to us to get us through this world and overcome any trials and temptations and sins than we can perceive with our limited minds. Because of Christ, our losses are turned to victories. Our hardships are turned into benefits. Our weaknesses are turned into strengths. Our failures are turned to wins. For Christ has overcome it all and has done everything we need to be a people of God by faith in him And he is working his power in us. And then Paul ends then in verse 21 with this doxology. He says, To him be the glory in the church and in in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
And what you have here is Paul praising God for creating this amazing creation of both Jew and Gentile and uniting them as one people, as one church. And you have him praising God for Jesus Christ through whom this amazing union was accomplished for we are his one body and he is the head. And no one knew this was even possible. And both church and and Christ will bring glory to God for eternity and eternity because of His power and mercy and wisdom and splendor and love and grace will always be displayed in them, in us. So church, be encouraged. For God is doing far more than you realize for you and within you. He is making sure His glory is is shining through you because of what His Son accomplished. Keep your faith in Christ. Don't fret about life's problems or situations. Don't fret over your own life or even your own mess-ups. For Christ has you covered. Just trust in Him. Or as one great theologian said, trust Christ and calm down. (laughs) So let us see our faults and sins and the problems coming, but let us not grow blind to the mighty God we pray to through faith in Christ. Let us hear of the complaints about us or complaints amongst us, but let us not grow deaf to what God has said in his word. For God's unlimited power is working in you now through faith in Christ, through what he has accomplished for you. He has done it all for you. You just need to rest in him, receive his blessings, accept that God is always giving you his best and not withholding anything good from you, but rather he is removing the bad from you even when you don't see it. I hope you dwell on this passage much because this very passage, again, is exactly what the world doesn't want you to realize for it does not want you to know your God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to pray with one of the deacons, they will be up here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful passage. God, I ask right now that if someone's struggling, if they're people struggling with the unbelief of of trying to see you in their life, Lord, I pray you come to them and remind them that you are working everything for their good. Remind them that that Jesus died for them and and by faith in him alone, it's going to be okay, though the world will say otherwise. God, I pray that we as a church can be an encouragement to people struggling, saying it's going to be okay that we can unify in the name of Christ, saying we're going to make it. God, I pray if someone doesn't know you here today, that they give their life to you right now. And they trust in you to realize that they're a sinner in need of grace. And you have enough grace that goes beyond their comprehension. And you will love them simply by them having faith in your Son. God, I pray you encourage us all to keep pressing on towards the prize, towards the goal of seeing your face, to be with you in eternity unhindered by any sins. To know that's where you're calling us. You're calling us home. For you're able to conquer anything in this world to get us there. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.